Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast on day two of the US Open where you find us once again for part one of the show in the media garden. We've had around about two thirds of the day's play. It's not hot, but it is unbelievably humid today. The air feels like soup. It feels like you're breathing in Boston clam chowder. (laughs) <laughs> sort of bits and all. It's such a bizarre day of weather, and it is not the sort of weather you. Well, frankly, it's not the sort of weather that I want to do anything in. Uh, but it's definitely not the sort of weather that you want to play a tennis match in. And we have seen a lot of players, to varying degrees, have not a lot of fun out there today, David. Yeah, I mean, probably some of them would say, "Well, this isn't." unpleasant compared to what we've had in the past but you're right I mean just breathing in you you feel as though there isn't enough air to for everybody to for it to go around and uh, yeah I, I don't know how they do it they're, they're marvels to me the, the way they run about and do properly cardiovascular exercise over four plus hours but you know they are super fit and I am not yeah there was a period in the afternoon where I kept looking up at the screen and was like oh he looks a bit of a state and then he looks a bit of a state. <laughs> and then another screen, oh gosh, everyone just looks a bit of a state. It was a sweaty, sweaty day. Yeah, and a, a day that really exposes, for me, how not fit for purpose the rules about cramping are in the sport. Because it is quite simply, it's, it's just not as simple as it being a loss of condition. Um, I know, you, you, yes, we aren't, David, as fit as professional athletes. Bombshell, I know. Um, but some people are just more prone to cramping or struggling in these kind of conditions than others. And I know it's difficult because they introduced that rule in order to, to clamp down on tactical timeouts. But this situation doesn't feel quite right for me either. We had Corentin Mute earlier called the trainer uh, during his three-set defeat to Andy Murray and asked for pickle juice, which he was denied. Um, but not denied because that would be treatment for cramp denied because the trainer simply did did not carry pickle juice about his person that, that's not ideal is it <laughs> anyway we'll come on to that match in due course we've all just been in Andy Murray's press conference after his 200th career Grand Slam win but let's start with Ange Jabeur who kicked off action on the Louis Armstrong Stadium today because nobody struggled in the conditions more I don't think than Ange Jabeur today not just because it was unpleasant out there and she played in the peak heat of the day but because she is suffering she's suffering from what she said after the match is flu she's got the flu she was sniffly in her pre-tournament press conference she was asked about that and she dismissed it and said oh it's just American AC I think she made a joke you know she said American AC just kills me it's nothing um well it's it's clearly not nothing she still won uh, seven five seven six versus Camilla Osorio. Lucky, I think, not to get dragged into a third. And had she got into a third set, I would have really worried about her. This was this was an ordeal to watch, and I'm starting to realise that I I go into Ones Jabeur matches with deep trepidation 
at the moment and I know there's special circumstances happening here she's got flu, dreadful the areas like soup, dreadful but we had ordeal matches in Cincinnati as well didn't we and we had the ultimate ordeal Jean-Jabeur match at Wimbledon watching Jean-Jabeur at the moment Matt is a bit of an ordeal and I imagine being Jabeur at the moment also might be a little bit of an ordeal yeah the vibes are just off aren't they I always think of Jabeur in her press conferences saying what she wants to do on a tennis court is have fun and she is so far from that at the moment as you said in all sorts of different ways whether it be you know playing that Wimbledon final that was not fun whether it be the baggage that's accumulated because of that or whether it be today when she's feeling so unwell uh, and it was it was a real ordeal I think I think that's the perfect word um, she had respiratory problems coughing spluttering trainer came on court her vitals were checked I was really struggling to see how she would continue the match to be quite honest she did um, and then she got into a position where it seemed like she was actually going to win it reasonably straightforwardly in that second set but served for it twice and couldn't close it out and that was a familiar sight based on what I watched of her match of the week against Kalinina where when she was in the lead, when she was a front runner, suddenly she got really tight. She seems to be having a bit of a closing problem at the moment. Ended up winning it in that tie break. I think there was part of me that thought Osorio was going to be an absolute nightmare opponent for Ons Jabeur playing like this because she's, she's plucky and she, you know, latches on to little bits of momentum and makes big deals out of them and, and she's a great fighter. But actually I didn't think she played a great match, Osorio, and maybe slightly let Jabeur off the hook. But... Yeah, one of those matches where you think, amazing that she's got through it, and obviously hopefully she'll start feeling better, but you do wonder what it's just going to take out of her generally for the, for the next few days. Like, what sort of state is she going to be in when she next takes to the court? That's, that I'm, feels like a real worry. I'm already me. anxious about her <laughs> yeah. next match. That's how I feel about Ange Jabeur right now. It's supposed to be uplifting watching yeah. Ange Jabeur, and I know she doesn't owe us that, but she wants it to be uplifting as well. That's the kind of tennis player that she wants to be and she's she's not that at the moment maybe when the flu lifts she will be able to but there's more going on than just flu here and she's got Linda Noskova next yeah well and she hits a heck of a ball doesn't she and she's upcoming and we've seen and has beaten her this year has she really oh that's interesting um I know that because the WTA sent me some quotes from Onstraber the last of which was um how do you feel about playing Linda Noskova next? You know, your standard look ahead to the next match question. And what did she say, David? She said, I'm out for revenge. Wow. So she continues to lean into the Onsjabur <laughs> revenge tour narrative. Good for her. That's good. You know, I'm, I'm pleased it, to hear that. It works. And listen, I, I think she is the sort of player that I think what she's shown in the last year and a half is there's a grit to her that she can burrow her way through matches to get to that sweet spot where she does start enjoying it and when she is the real well I don't want to say the real player because this is also the real player this is another side to her and and every top player has moments where they don't feel that great and they just need to fight and get through and that's what she's developed which I I, I have to say I didn't know that that was going to be a a feature of her game over the last few years Um, I mean if, she, if it's flu, it's flu. If it's a cold, it's a cold or whatever. I mean, COVID appears to be going around. John McEnroe's got COVID and has had to pull out of the tournament. Um, who knows whether other players are going to start getting afflicted by respiratory problems, particularly in these weather conditions, and, and it become a factor. Um, I, I hope the best for her because it'd be great if she could be a factor in this tournament. Yeah. Here, here. Uh, so Jabir against Noskova in a couple of days' time. We've had a big on-paper upset over on court number five today. Caroline Garcia, last year's semi-finalist, going out to uh, Wong Ye Fan uh, in the upset that's not an upset. Before we come on to discuss that, I'm going to tell you about AO Travel. Okay. Can I have some more enthusiasm for that, please? <laughs> Excellent. Great. <laughs> the Tennis Podcast is brought to you in association this US Open with AO Travel, who operate 
the travel programme for the first Grand Slam of the calendar year and, of course, the next Grand Slam after this one, the Australian Open. Go to ozopentravel.com to check out the fantastic experiences they have to offer in Melbourne at the start of the year. And don't forget, we have a discount code of 500 Australian dollars off any premium lounge package for friends of the Tennis Podcast subscribers. So one of many, 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 many reasons to become a friend of the Tennis Podcast. The biggest, of course, being the Bocco. The second biggest being supporting us in what we do year round and enabling us to be at these Grand Slam tournaments. And number three, access to $500 off an AO travel package to the Australian Open 2024. So let's come on to talk about Caroline Garcia, 6461 for her against Wong Yefan, who has been in incredible form recently. And that is precisely why so many people were predicting this result today. I wondered if, because so many people were predicting that Caroline Garcia would lose today, there would be a bit of a, a defiance about her. You will think I'm going to lose this. I'm the seventh seed, and you will think I'm going to lose today. We'll check this out. She was awful, David. She was absolutely awful, not just in terms of her game. I know she's, she's reaching. She's searching for a game at the moment. Players go through that. I know you can be doing everything within your power. See Maria Sakkari yesterday and it just not coming. But there was no fight about her whatsoever. It was such a meek, limp performance. She double faulted to, to end the match. And that that just about summed it up. It was, look, I know Wong Yefan is in great form at the moment. And I'm sure she has it in her to play great tennis. She didn't today. She didn't need to. Garcia handed her that match it was horrible to watch yeah. you, you know when I was a kid I used to have this this car racing track called Scale Electric. have you ever seen that and they, they, they'd go on a rail and if you pressed it full on it would fly off the rails <laughs> without question it would never not do that right and that's what it's like watching Caroline Garcia when she plays like that she just she can't keep it on the track and she's just smacking the ball left and right, not convincing, not able to keep it in the court, confines in, a, in an effective way. And I, look, I didn't watch much of the match. I, I saw saw the unforced errors happen. Were they drawn from her? Was she offering them up? I mean, did 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 her opponent have to do much? No, she was offering them up on a platter, mostly, mostly. Yeah. I was not surprised by the fact that. Garcia wasn't playing well as as you said we all know she hasn't been in good form I was surprised by that point you make about how just sort of vacant Garcia seemed on the court it was like she wasn't fully there mm. and I, I was surprised by that because I suddenly remembered a post that she put up on social media a couple of weeks ago after a loss to Marie Buzkova in Canada where she said all my fears I had from January happened and you know what I'm still alive and still playing tennis our fears are always bigger and scarier in our head it was nice to feel alive on court again last night and I remember seeing that and actually double checking the double checking the score because that post to me reads like you've won a match you know it's quite it's quite positive feeling feeling alive again on court but she actually lost that match to Buzkova and then and then wrote that post and I think really what that post was getting at was really speaking to the dark place she's been in all year but it was it was suggesting that maybe a corner is being turned and she felt better on court again even though she was losing so coming in here I was expect I wasn't expecting her to be playing good tennis but I was expecting based on that post a little bit more energy a little bit more fight so maybe you know, maybe that was premature to put that one post out. Maybe she hasn't overcome sort of the problems that she's been having, or maybe you know this was a blip on the on the road to her her feeling better again. But yeah, those this performance didn't match up with someone who says that they're feeling better on court mm. again. And I was I was quite hopeful after reading that post a couple of weeks ago, but this was this was a tough watch today yeah it was alarming for sure and maybe another one that needs a break I know she's got well she's got 
points to defend that she won't be able to defend because, of course, she's not going to qualify for the WTA finals this year. So maybe, maybe that presents an opportunity to take some time off from the treadmill that is tennis. Like I'm not. I know I've been hard on her. I. It was so bad. It it absolutely can't be the performance of somebody that was in an okay place, and I, I worry for her, and yeah, I really wish her well. Yeah. Um, no other major upsets, I don't think, in the women's side of things so far today. Obviously, we still have the night session to come. Really comfortable wins for Jessica Bagula over Camilla Georgie today on Ash. One of those that looks on paper like it could be tricky. I know the second set was more competitive than the scoreline six two made it look, but. Just your classic Jessica Bagula performance there from from her, I thought. Yeah, she's got this incredible record against Georgie. I think she's beaten Georgie more than she's beaten any other player. They keep they seem to always play each other. And watching it today, I realised how much more Pagula has in her game compared to Georgie. Like Georgie's an amazing ball striker, and I think if I just had to think of one thing about Jessica Bagula, because it would be she's a great ball striker as well. But today, you just saw that. That she, actually she's got really nice touch Pagula and slice and she can move better than Georgie and all of that just means that she's just a class apart from Camilla Georgie there was one really epic game about 15 minutes loads of break points Pagula eventually won it and once she did she sort of had the match from that from that moment on yeah just a, just a nice start for Jessica Pagula on Ash and it it did mean that there was a whole three and a half hours on Ash with with no play this afternoon because it went it went so quickly. Yeah, the sets on Ash today were well in in two matches, so five sets of tennis. How many games? Four in the Pagula match and two. Yeah, in the Medvedev one, match. One, one, love, two and two. Yeah, not not a not a great day session ticket on Ash. Um, Katarina Alexandrova beat finalists here two years ago. Leila Fernandez seven five five seven six four three hours four minutes grueling on the grandstand court brutal for Fernandez look this could have gone either way but it's not happening for Fernandez is it and that's a tough scene typical of her career really mm-hmm. since the Radicana final she's had some moments but most of the time she's ended up having fantastic grueling matches and lost a lot of them and yet she hasn't been able to convert this transition from reaching a Grand Slam final into being a contender at the top on a regular basis and it's a shame because she is a great watch she's a great experience to be in the stadium for she's got a country that desperately wants her to be relevant all the time and to be up there and and I think most of us in the media do really too and, and tennis fans around the world she is really popular and, and on the flip side, you've got Alexandra, who never gets talked about, really, never gets much credit. I don't know what it is. Some players, you just feel things about. And, and I don't feel a lot when I watch Alexandra. Um, also, she hasn't reached a Grand Slam final, so she hasn't made herself relevant very often. But it's a good win. Yeah, yeah, it is. Especially Fernando's kind of on a comeback role like that. She... Yeah, at her best, she's she's got a force when she's in that kind of match. So I think for Alexandra to overcome that, very impressive. Um, Vondrosheva, a very comfortable winner today. Madison Keys as well. Alina Svitolina, she she won his straight sets today. She marches on to round number two. Daria Kazakina needed three sets to come through. Didn't come to press after the match wasn't requested. Um, obviously, there's no Russian journalists here, so I suppose that checks out. I was. If she, if she had come to press, I, I would have been interested to go to that to see if she had had anything to say about Saudi Arabia and the potential for the WTA finals to be going there. Um, hopefully she'll win again and we'll get a chance to speak to her again. Um, she did, Matt, though, give a really interesting interview to the New York Times pre-tournament. Yes, a big long read in the New York Times sort of about the Ukraine-Russia issue in in tennis generally and lots of interesting quotes in there. Uh, Kasakina said that uh, she has suggested an an alternative to being a a sort of neutral athlete on, on the tour, playing with no flag next to her name. She said that... Uh, she's asked the WTA if she can play with the rainbow flag 
next to her name. Uh, and, uh, and another interesting line in that piece... Do down well in Saudi. <laughs> another interesting line in that piece from Alina Svitolina, who is working with the agent John Morris, who is, who's two of his clients are uh, Daria Kasakina and Andre Rublev, and Alina Svitolina saying that those were the only Russian players that she sort of would have accepted her agent having as clients because of all that they've done to speak out against the war. So, yeah, would highly recommend reading that piece. Uh, it's, it's a long read. It's by um, it's by Michael Steinberg in the New York Times. And, yeah, lots of lots of good quotes and just, just a sort of... Um, a sort of summary, really, of where we are with the with the Ukraine Russia issue in in tennis right now. And Andre Rublev is right over your left shoulder, Matt. He's over there beaming. He won his straight sets today. He's doing he's doing some interviews. Don't um, don't distract him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I th- thought he was right over my left shoulder <laughs> no, for no, a moment. No, no, he's not. <laughs> what are you saying about me? You. He's, just, he's over there. He's over there in the distance, looking very happy with life. Um, which brings us on to men's results that we've had so far today we alluded to what happened in the first match of the day on ash daniel medvedev conceding just two games against 34 year old unranked attila balash playing uh with a protected ranking a i mean not much to say an absolute mismatch um and medvedev has sensation chris o'connell next (laughs) just just on Balash, he's been doing this all year, playing with his protected ranking and barely winning games in, in big matches. And actually, Ben Rothenberg made the point, I think it's a good one, that that feels like one of the reasons, or one of the benefits, hopefully, of this ATP sort of baseline salary that they're bringing in. So the players don't feel compelled to just have to play... I mean, what, I think he won 80,000 80, or something today. Mm. But actually, like, you can absolutely understand why he wants to play and wants to collect that money. But it's not a good spectacle no. for anyone. And, you know, if, if, if money was his real motivation to play, which would be understandable, it's good, I think, that hopefully there's an alternative now to that. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's like a universal basic income, isn't it? Mm. This um, uh, thing that the ATP are introducing and that seems like a fabulous idea quite frankly um, Andy Murray let's get into Andy Murray <laughs> uh, it was entertaining <laughs> and weird uh, for three sets I think we all ahead of the match thought it might be entertaining and weird for more than three sets they were still three quite long sets because it was Andy Murray but um, yeah he was asked after the match on, in his on-court interview oh Andy a three-set match how are you feeling and he was like this is nothing for me mate <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've are you seen, aware of my work I don't know if you've seen me play Grand <laughs> Slams this year but this is this is a quick day at the office and um, it really was but not not an uneventful one he was a breakdown in the second set and yet it always felt like he was the better player like he was on top of the match he was having so many chances and just playing badly on break points missing backhand returns on second serves you know and just you can imagine how he was reacting when he was doing that and directing it towards his towards his box interestingly in his press conference he was asked about you know how he remonstrates towards his box during matches and he said well now that you're allowed to coach from the sidelines at least they can talk back he said oh it used to be awkward that I would shout at them and they were because they didn't want to risk being penalised for courtside coaching, they had to just sit there with weirdly neutral faces, where at least now they can say, yep, good stuff, Andy, I agree with you. Everything that you're shouting at me sounds sounds great. Um, yeah, Corentin Mute. What can you say about Corentin Mute? Skilled is how Murray described yeah. him. He is fantastically skilled. Yeah, I think he? Murray appreciates what the guy is able to do with a tennis racket as the sort of nerdy tennis player that he is. But I also probably think, and he wouldn't say this because he'd be too polite, he probably doesn't have too much respect for him as a competitor. Um, because, I mean, he's all over the place, isn't he? He, he does have moments of, of real fight when he's just totally dialed in. And then he has game upon game where he's spraying it all over the place and he's ranting and and I mean look he seems to have completely reinvented his backhand for some reason and he's playing exclusively single handers despite having had a double hander 
earlier on in his career and I don't know I mean I know he's had a he's had a bit of a bad time of, over the last year or two but you know he doesn't feel like a real professional tennis player to me he, he, he had a surgery on his right wrist I think at the end of January this year and now as you said plays with a with a single hander on the backhand I mean he had a lot of slice anyway even when he had a two hander I suppose it's pretty impressive like talent level wise that he can make it work just I don't know I don't think many players ever have changed mid-career from a either you know either way from a one-hander to a two-hander or or the reverse uh, but it like if he hadn't had the surgery you sort of think like it might be the sort of thing that you might just want to try anyway do you know what I mean yeah, yes like I sort of feel like <laughs> he he's quite enjoying the fact that he can do it mm. but yeah. uh, you, you do see the difference between a shot that has been embedded in the DNA of a player yeah. from a very young age to one that they have just yes he, he's got the shot he can play it but it doesn't look secure it doesn't look effective not, not if it gets a proper workout from a player like Andy Murray it, it was such a str- strange match to watch in some ways for me. I, I watched most of it from courtside or from the, the press seats, which were in a really good position on grandstand. And the last Andy Murray match that I'd watched live was against Stefano Sitsipas on centre court at Wimbledon. And, OK, he lost that match and he won today. But my impressions after watching him against Sitsipas were how clean and big he was hitting the ball in a way that he hasn't been for years, quite frankly. Whereas today, it just wasn't that kind of match. It was Guile and Courtcraft and, um, yeah, Quarantine Mute. You know, if Andy Murray did inject a little bit of pace, Quarantine Mute would instantly diffuse it. You know, he was having to generate all the time, which Murray can do, but it's not really his vibe, is it? So it kind of feels like all the stuff that he's been working on and he's been pleased with himself for improving on, you know, after after what was it Washington he talked about no it was the, his pre-tournament press conference wasn't it David where he was saying the things he was particularly yeah. pleased with and it sounded like you know belting that forehand confidently was one of the things he's pleased with himself about but there was, wasn't really much opportunity to, to do that today so yeah it, it was an interesting one there was uh, towards the very dying stages of the map the first recorded incident of VAR being put to use at the US Open and um, it well well, actually not being put to use well yeah being put to precisely no use whatsoever it it looked like they just not practised it once as to how you do this and I'm sure that's not correct I'm sure they have tested it but it just completely failed we're at a bit of a loss here as to whether what happened out there was what's supposed to happen and what's supposed to happen is just bad or whether something went wrong yeah something went wrong because the umpire was was pointing at the iPad and saying it's not coming up and what you were seeing on the screen you were seeing there was a double bounce caused by the umpire Mute challenged it I was in the press room at the time watching the match on the screen and instantly saw the replay about 15 times. They were just sort of moving it back and forth. It was a very close replay as to whether it was a double bounce or not. It definitely was one. But the umpires there with the You, you felt certain that it was a double bounce? Because I was, watching, I was on the court and it, they were showing it on the big screen and I didn't feel certain either way watching it on the big screen it can and be a different pixelation almost yeah. with that type of screen can't it but up close I felt I don't know how you felt but I felt very confident yeah it took me a few watches of the replay but after as you said about 15 I was pretty confident that it was a double bounce what I was confused about was whether that was what the umpire was expecting to see on her screen close up so she could take a look I and it just she wasn't was appearing to see something far more forensic or whether she was that. expecting to see something different I, I, I still don't really, know the answer to that question it was just a really slowed down version of a normal replay yeah but, yeah. but, but she didn't have anything on her ipad she I mean, had it nothing. appears to be that the process is she needs to have it on there 
in order, I guess, to look at it and maybe show the player. I don't know. I don't know for sure. Well, Corentin Muta had his back to her. Right. But <laughs> the wait went on so long. He was just stood there, hands on hips, actually gesturing, sort of making eye contact, seemingly with Andy Murray's box, because that was the end that he was he was down. I mean, by that by that point, the air had rather been sucked out of the match. Corentin Mute went down with a wrist injury. Well, he, he fell Nasty very fall, awkwardly. Yeah. And for a few moments, it looked catastrophic. I mean, they instantly erected... He was down on the floor, writhing in pain, and they instantly, very efficiently, actually, um, erected umbrellas around him to shield him from the crowd like a fallen horse at the Grand National... <laughs> And I thought, oh my goodness! They were probably terrified he'd got one of those terrible breaks. That yeah, you and, then, see and then he just get. got up and carried on. Because he actually he landed and he sort of tried to cushion his fall with his hand, and so effectively, he's, I mean, I think it was his left hand, not his right, but yeah, he, he's he's basically you know whole whole of his weight down on his wrist, and I think that they were really concerned that he'd he'd broken a bone in a horrible way or something like that, but. Uh, yeah, classic Mute just gets up and carries on. Yeah, I mean he is an absolute pest, an absolute pest. Andy Murray took, he celebrated when Mute smashed his racket. He took that. That was his sign of <laughs> I'm winning this. I'm I'm getting somewhere here. I've got the bloke to smash his racket. Uh, so Murray moves on to round two, where he will face as party like it's 2014. David, he's going to face Grigor Dimitrov who boldly went where he's never been before. <laughs> One from two sets of love down today for the first time in his career. And let's face it, it's not a short career anymore. Unbelievable that... Unbelievable on the negative side that it's taken him this long, but unbelievable that given it's been this long without him doing it, he's found a way to get over that hump because knowing that record... I didn't give him much chance in the deciding set tie break today, and he proved me wrong. I kept saying to you, I believe, but that was very much sort of hopeful. <laughs> you belief. always believe. Yes, I do, and, and uh, most of the time it doesn't work out. I mean, I do think he showed great grit, and he was match point down three times, I think, and the third one of them, he came up with a do or die drop volley with the only shot available to him with an absolutely rifled ball at his toes when he's at the net and he had one little sliver of court that he could have put that ball into and it'd be a winner and he somehow got it within an inch of the net to drop it just over for a winner saved it took over and yeah I mean that's that's a huge win for him I mean I know it's it's on paper you're thinking first round Alex Molchan you should beat him if you want to have any sort of future going deep in grand slams but he was in a hole and he dug himself out and fair enough fair play and what's different about the meeting now as opposed to back in their respective heydays perhaps is that Grigor Dimitrov is now coached by not one but two of Murray's former coaches and Murray was asked about that in his press conference today and he said well in theory that should really help him yeah Jamie Delgado he said it with a kind of subtext of I'm not sure it actually will help him (laughs) (laughs) because he's Grigor Dimitrov and there was a, a slight sort of I know how to beat him about that answer but it's really fascinating that it is and particularly because of the different stage of their lives that they're at and obviously Murray now with the metal hip I don't know whether they've I don't think they've played a big match at a Grand Slam since he had that operation done I mean I remember one match they played here that Murray won handily several years ago there was the one that obviously Dimitrov beat Murray at Wimbledon but you know this really is rolling back the years stuff and it will be fascinating to see I I hope I hope they both come into it fully fit Murray certainly looked fit enough in his match and Grigor's put himself through it, but he's a super fit lad, isn't he? Yeah, he did, he did take a while to leave the court, Dimitrov, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's probably on the, on the pickle juice right now. Uh, Murray's win was part of an incredible day for the Brits that is still going. That was what your day, of course, centred around, David, working for, for BBC Radio. Wins for Katie Bolter, Cameron Norrie, Dan Evans has just won. And Jack Draper, along with Lily Miyazaki yesterday, all of the wins today in straight sets. Jodie Burridge has actually just walked past us. She's she's 
just starting her match. She's three love up. Ooh, <laughs> so well. 16 out of 16 sets for British players in the singles so far. Yeah, and I mean, we were going through the matches earlier, and look, generally they were good draws. You know, they came out, given, given who they could have played, they were good draws. But I was really umming and ahhing over whether they would even win some of these matches, let alone win yeah. them in, in straight sets. It really, really has been... Yeah, like a sort of snowball effect, it feels like. Yeah, fantastic effort. We didn't even know if Jack Draper was fit to play. We were worried about him playing his match against Rado Albot today. Three straight sets for him. Delighted to see him back on a tennis court and looking like the force that we know he can be. It's very early days, but that was a sight for sore eyes. Um, bit of a dream day for you, David, because Arta Feast won yeah. as well. His first ever five set win his first ever grand slam win beat talon greekspoor the 24 seed which takes some doing you have to beat talon greekspoor and he overcame cramp i think in the fourth set he had some treatment for cramp he matt you said he uh forfeited a game Mm. in order to get treatment for cramp what an incredibly baller move to in a set that you have to win because he was two sets to one down to forfeit a game and it turned out to be absolutely the right decision because he, he won that fourth set, then won the fifth. And I was speaking to Matt Futterman of the New York Times who spoke to Artifice after the match. And Matt was like, the guy just radiates confidence like, and belief in his own ability. And I think you need that in that moment to make that decision and trust that it's the right decision to sort of yeah, sacrifice a game for the greater good. You know, you've got to be, you've got to believe in yourself to be able to do that. And yeah, Matt was like, "Have you always been confident?" And he was like, "Yep." <laughs> any any bumps along the way? No. I'm young. I'm Love confident. It. It's just like yeah. imagine I've been imagine young, being though, like and that. That would not have been my answer. <laughs> yeah, I was doing lots of fist bumping under the desk today. <laughs> For my face. Yeah, you had a good time sitting at that desk today. Yeah, so, and I just seemed to, to sort of... Ch- I don't know whether I had an effect, but I just seemed to tune in just when they needed it. <laughs> anyway. Were you cheering on John Isner today, David? He extended his career by another match. I can't say I was watching it, but I did see the, the scoreboard ticking over and I saw him tearful at the end because they mm. did a presentation and, uh, and his, his kids were there and it was, it was kind of nice. Yeah, they did the presentation even though he won. How do we feel about that? Yeah, it was like, we've planned this presentation, John. We were expecting you to lose, but God damn it, we're going to do the presentation anyway. <laughs> I kind of like it because now maybe you can just get on with the tournament um, and they've got their presentation in. But I dare say if, if the moment he doesn't win, there's probably going to be a, a lot of schmaltz then as well. <laughs> mm. Matteo Bertini, a winner today over Ugo and Bear pleased for him really yeah. really pleased for him don't know what it means don't worry I won't ask you what it means but <laughs> well done Matteo Berrettini Rublev as we say was over there beaming Alexander Zverev all comfortable winners today we have the night session still to come it's just getting underway Venus Williams in action against Grit Minnan she is down in the score at the moment if you haven't seen the pictures of her arriving at the Billie Jean King National Tennis Centre tonight do yourself a favor and check them out because well i mean queen status confirmed if it needed confirming she just looked incredible and so ready to go um and i hope she can make a match of that she has got breakpoint on the min and serve in soon to be out of date tennis news uh, following her on to ash it is carlos alcaraz against dominic kupfer yannick sinner is currently in action on armstrong stan Rinka is still going on grandstand there's lots still happening on the outside courts actually donna vekic is a settle against sasha vickery pam we're thinking of you uh, and we'll be back to wrap up all of those remaining matches in part two yeah the big one being what will happen to hubert Hercatch? he's two sets to love down <gasps> is he i did not know that goodness dun, dun, dun. see you in part two ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. We are back, folks. We are back at Tennis Podcast Towers. The night session at the US Open Day 2 has just concluded. And before we get to the action on the show courts, Matt Roberts, you left the people with quite the cliffhanger. Mm. Please put them out of their miseries. (laughs) Well, Hubert Hercatch was two sets to love down last time we spoke. He then fell... 5-4 5-4 down in that third set. And Mark Andrea Huzva served for the match. But Hubert Hercatch broke back, won the third set in a tie break, and then rolled through sets 4 and 5 to survive. Which is probably quite significant. Like, I don't have Hubert Hercatch winning this title by any means, but I do see him as a threat, potentially, to... Medvedev, I guess, in particular, in that quarter. David's got stats on Hubert Hercatch. Well, I decided to go and look into how many three sets and five set matches he's had this year, and it's a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we've we've touched on it at various points throughout the year, but I mean, he's played seven five set matches out of twelve Grand Slam matches in total <laughs> this year. He's also played in 23 final set matches over three sets and only only played 15 that were in straight sets. So he's played way more that have gone the distance than haven't. He's going for Kane Shikori's record. I mean, it it really is astonishing what what he's done this year. And, And I still don't entirely know where the unnecessary sort of scenic route starts and the incredible finding his way out of the mm. hole and, and 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 getting through these matches begins because i mean i suppose it's both really isn't it but yeah just to see discussions of kane Shikori past right exactly. very well done for winning five set matches that you shouldn't have been in in the first place <laughs> and it makes it tough to gauge generally sort of how he does in in big moments because he wins so many tight matches as David has just described you think oh well he's he's good under pressure he's good in big moments but then he doesn't win that many tight moments and big moments against fellow top players and that probably is where he needs to be judged now because he's you know he's he's been around a while now he I don't think a bloke like him with his game should be having all this trouble He's not Kane Ishikori. He's got a massive serve. He's You'd got have said a... the same about Marin Cilic. 
Is it about the game? It's about the mind. Well, I think it is. I think you're right. But that's not good enough, is it? I mean, I don't think he's got the excuses that Kane Shikuri's got, is what I'm getting at. What, body falling apart? Well, just, you know... Well, I feel like everything's a bit of a grind for right. Nishikori because he, he so struggles hard, to hold serve, it? you know, yeah. whereas her catch is just the, rolling it's the mind. Yes, it's I, all I agree in the with mind. You. I agree with you. It must be. Well, anyway, Hubert Hercatch lives to fight another day, and <laughs> that fight will be against Jack Draper. I mean, that's in two interesting. Days time. If if Draper is fit, and honestly, the idea that he would be fit even to have won his first round match. I mean, I, I think in the the live show we did the other day, I said I didn't think Draper would play this tournament. I thought he would pull out before the first round, and he won it in straight sets today. And and when you look at him, you think, how can a man with a physique like that ever get injured I mean he looks like the Hulk he's so well put together but you know the the body is a, has been a liability for him this year but I tell you what I wouldn't mind watching that if he's playing well if he's I, fit. Su- I suspect BBC Radio might make your dreams come true David <laughs> I might have <laughs> and, to describe and, every single shot pay you for it yeah yeah, living, literally living the dream. Um, it's a good job that Hubert Hercatch brought the drama because the night session matches on the show courts categorically did not tonight, did they? Let's should we should we get Venus Williams out of the way? It was a tough tough scene for her against Grit Minnan, uh, who had had qualified and played a great match and did so fantastically not to let the occasion and the stage bother her one bit but yeah one and one for a great champion like Venus Williams stuff it's tough to see I'm, I, I suspect even group minute fans found that a little bit uncomfortable and uh, yeah just a real balloon pop of a moment for Arthur Ashe Stadium followed by Who'd have thought it? An even bigger balloon pop when Dominic Kupfer rolled his ankle really badly. And we can say this with utter conviction because we have seen that ankle roll in slow motion so many times, courtesy of ESPN. (laughs) I could describe it for you in great detail, but uh, I won't inflict that horror on you. Uh, A really bad ankle roll right at the start of the match. And he struggled on for a set and a bit, but throughout that set and a bit, he was talking, or his coach was, he was in dialogue with his coach about at what stage he should retire. Um, so it it wasn't a tennis match, really, and there's very little to say. So should we cut straight to talking about Alcraz's singing? <laughs> and his vest. Mm. He, was, mm. he was wearing some pretty out there colours tonight. It was Tiafo's kit, but in a different colour colorway, like a like a sort of cream or gold, uh, with lots of pattern on it. A lot of red as well. Yes, mm. um, and then and then yes, and then he played a few points and showed us why he won the title last year, and then it was over, and then he uh, he did some singing. So what was that all about? He, he did he did so well. Oh. Being put on the spot to sing in front of however many people were in Arthur Ashe Stadium. I was about to claw my ears and eyes out so that I didn't have to witness what Brad Gilbert was requesting that Carlos Alcaraz do in that post-match interview. But, Gal- I mean, he just... He made, he made the weirdest thing ever not weird. Yeah. And that's Carlos Alcaraz all over, didn't he? We, isn't it? He we we he, watched. He threw in his, a little dance as well. He threw in. I mean, what a guy! <laughs> he, he we watched his pre-match interview, didn't we? With Mary Jo Fernandez, I think it was. You know the interviews they no, do. No, that was with Brad as well. Was it? With, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Brad's if, been on everything. If in, doubt, if in doubt, it was Brad. It was Brad. He's coaching one of them as well. He was on air at midday today, bragging about how he'd only had three hours sleep. Unreal. Anyway, pre-match interview <laughs> in the tunnel. You know the ones we're talking about. The They're ones, usually terrible. The ones the that are always ones. at at best completely unenlightening and pointless, and at worst hugely uncomfortable. Carlos Alcaraz strolls up to Brad Gilbert, 
beaming. <laughs> Absolutely yes. beaming. And answers his questions about what he's expecting from the match and what tactics he's going to deploy and how he's feeling. He answers them earnestly and genuinely with this huge beaming smile on his face. Honestly, you've never seen anyone do one of those interviews no, like that. No, I haven't. And I've been coming here for 20 years and they've, they've never been anything other than, oh God, is it over yet? <laughs> yeah, so that's how it started and it ended with him doing a dance on the court. So that was Carlos Alcaraz's evening. Over on Armstrong, we've just watched Arena Sabalenka wrap-up victory against Marina Zanevska, the... Belgian player of Ukrainian heritage always um, wears the Ukrainian Ukrainian flag pin on her hat, and there was no handshake after this match, but not in a not in an awkward, uncomfortable way, in in a way that I, I think Sabalenka was expecting, perhaps. Um, but we did we did unearth over the course of this match that it was to be Marina Zanevska's last on tour. She's thirty years of age. Uh, she's been suffering with chronic back pain for four years, and much like Annette Contivate, it prevents her from putting in the, the training required to be a top-level professional, and she's having to step away from the sport, and I find that really heartbreaking. So I wish her very well indeed. Sabalenka, a few a few wobbles on serve at the start. She's credited the New York crowd with the win, trying to win them over. Not a bad idea. <laughs> you don't have to say much, do you, to, to these crowds to make them leave thinking, oh, I like her, she's all right. Everyone loves a compliment, David. They do, don't they? Yeah. Except British people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get... We just start looking at we each We get other. awkward and weird. Whatever yeah. you do, don't ask one of us to sing on a tennis court in a in an interview situation. That would... That would not go as well as it did with Carlos Alcaraz. <laughs> um, before Sabalenka was Yannick Sinner. 6-3-6-1-6-1 for him against Yannick Hanfman. Uh, we didn't see much of this. So my question for you is, has a Yannick ever played another Yannick before? <laughs> Hashtag analysis. Come on, that stat. Don't know would, the answer. That would be, that'd be a good stat, actually. <laughs> that would be a good stat. I mean, I did notice there were a few <laughs> players of the same name playing each other. We had Alexander Vukic, Alexander Zverev oh, today. Yeah. Any others? There was there was another one I noticed, but I now can't remember what it was. It's not great. That's content, quite a good is stat, it? isn't it? Well, is it? I don't know. I, if it wasn't apparent from the start of of part two of this podcast, <laughs> we haven't it, got a lot to talk it about. It is becoming apparent now <laughs> that it was an absolute dud of a night session. Yeah. Folks, it really, yeah, it was a dud. It was a dud. The it was so bad. The show courts, were, the two main courts were were they were duds today, both in partic- that, particularly Ash. Is that the worst centre court Grand Slam day of all time? In terms of match quality, yes. And, and in terms of I drama, I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, sure. Some some people, if you just wanted to see Carlos Alcaraz for the first time and say you've seen Carlos Alcaraz, you've you've laid eyes on him, and I respect that. That is a you know, some people have bucket list things, don't they? And you you're not bothered about the quality of the match at all. Then maybe you might say differently, but basically. Yes. Do you remember that? Answer. Do you remember that Wimbledon day where there were back-to-back retirements? Yeah, that that'd be up there. But I mean, this is two sessions, <laughs> and they've all been rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Look, it needed the singing. In, in I know this. I know this will be um, cold comfort for anybody that had a ticket for today. Although, as Matt is always pointing out, an Arthur Ashe Stadium ticket in week one of the U.S. Open is in many ways the best ticket in tennis because you can get access to any court. There is no court you can't go on with an Arthur Ashe Stadium ticket. Even, so. even Louis Armstrong? Yeah. Wow. Because there is some assigned seating, but there is also so cool. free public mm, seating on there, which is fantastic. I've been coming here 20 um, years, didn't know that. But tomorrow's schedule, I'm loath to jinx it, but I would be surprised if it disappointed in the same way. Big it up, Catherine. It kicks off with Mira Andreeva against Coco Golf. Okay. Yes, yeah, please. I'm with you. Yes, please. And while I would like that to be in the slot of the day, because I think it's the match of the day, 
Um, I rather suspect that Coco Goff is having to play early matches because she is in both the women's doubles with Jessica Bagula and the mixed doubles with John Isner. So that's for your most, and this is for the tournament, I'm not saying for everybody, but for the tournament, Coco Goff is the number one player in terms of scheduling. She's she's the number one player for ESPN. She's the number one player for the US Open. When the, when your number one player is in mixed, is in both forms of doubles, that is a scheduling nightmare. Mm. So wishing them luck, <laughs> in uh, the words of Venus Williams. Uh, Zapata Mirayas against Novak Djokovic. Second on Arthur Ashe. I suspect that might have a bit of a... A Tuesday, Arthur Ashe feel about it that match, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the night session, Sebastian Offner against Francis Tiafo. The, the second night session match is is good in a very throwback way. Petra Kvitova against Caroline Wozniacki. But you said something earlier, David, when we were going through the schedule just after it had dropped. You said Tiafo can carry a session on his own now. Yeah, it's not about the match. It's not against who it's who he's playing. All due respect to Sebastian Offner, he could have been anyone. Tiafo was there in the, that prime time slot purely because he's Tiafo. Yeah, he's a name. He is recognisable now after last year. He can carry a show. He is the show. And he rises to it. He, he it's it's one of those players now that you can you can hang your hat on and, and I just love love that about him really. And the only thing is is he's gonna to have to keep delivering. I think it's really important for him that if he's given slots like that, he needs to play well. Because in the past and, and it's it's less so recently, but in the past he has let himself down. He was occasionally just thrown in a real dud of a performance, and and there's been there have been a few of those lately, actually. So I think it'll be different here at, at the US Open because of the surroundings and how much he loves it. But uh, I think that's important that it is that way. Mertens against Collins on Armstrong, then Shvontek Saville, and third on there is Dominic Team against Ben Shelton. Oh. Yes, please. Yeah, the night session there tomorrow. Rabakina against Tom Lianovic and Juan Pablo Varias against Taylor Fritz. That was a big moment for Tom Lianovic mm. the other day, actually. She played her first match of the year because yeah. she's been so injured. And, you know, yeah. you think of her this time last year, you know, having the sort of tournament of her life and then being really one of the stars of, of the first series of Breakpoint and then not being able to back any of that up because she was injured but she she won the other night and that was that was really good to see yeah she still had one of the moments of the year without playing which is doing that tennis channel interview in a bush because Matera Berrettini was still in the Australian Open lest we forget was that this year that well the... no it dropped this year. oh okay yeah our discovery that that was oh, a thing. Yes. We, we watched it happen this year. Right, yes. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was I was getting the timeline of their relationship very muddled in my mind. Sit to pass against Stricker is on grandstand. I'm going to try and watch a bit of that because people whose opinions I respect really rate Dominic Stricker and he... Whereas my opinion was that I didn't even know who he was. He so. closely resembles facially... The Scottish comedian Kevin Bridges, which is quite a sight to behold. Uh, Victoria Zarenko against Zhu Lin. They played at the Australian Open, didn't they? Coco Goff, Jessica Bagula in doubles action on grandstand tomorrow. And then Kasper Ruud against, against Zhang Zhizhen, which could be quite a match. Taylor Townsend, Beatrice Adad Meyer first on 17. Like that matchup. Bonzi Eubanks, Tommy Pauls over there, Jennifer Brady. Uh, Lily Miyazaki, British interest. She won her first round match a couple of days ago. She takes on Belinda Bencic. Lots of doubles tomorrow. How is doubles starting already? It's too soon. It's too soon. Uh, Carolina Mukova is on court 11 tomorrow. Imagine she'll sort of tweet a map <laughs> to help people find it. Mr. might. Yeah. She's on court 11 as well, isn't she? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a... Holger, that's a Grand Slam champion on court 11. Stick that in your pipe and smoke Lost it. Ostapenko would take a picture of a globe. <laughs> I um, I went to Medvedev's press conference today and 
it had been such an uneventful match. It was a bit of a pre- free-for-all. It was a real kind of an audience with Daniil where people just asked him what he thought about stuff because there was nothing to say <laughs> in relation to the match. And I thought, I, 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 can't, I can't let go of the, 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 the gift that Holger Runer has given us with the, with the whole court five thing. So I asked Medvedev what he thought about it. Um, and I think he had some sympathy, but he, he basically said, if you're going to do a, t- a tweet like that or say something, it's probably better to do it after the match. And ideally, if you've won the match, <laughs> which is a great take. Right. That's your lot for today, folks. Wishing for better from tomorrow, certainly the evening session tomorrow. It wasn't, it wasn't a dud all round today, but just a, a bit of a bummer what we've seen in the last couple of hours. But tomorrow's going to be better. We are pumped. Oh, yeah. As always, we have Willow, our lovely US Open mascot. Hello, Willow. We have our mascots. I've got Xenia. Hey, Xenia. David's got Maisie. Right, Maisie. I talked, I talked David into a prediction that got you points today, Maisie. Mm. You are welcome. I mean, I was leaning that way anyway, Maisie. You know, we've had, we've had a good run recently. and mm. Matt's got Darwin. <laughs> Darwin and no points. <laughs> You need a Wickmire one. How did she do that in 2023? Yeah, but if you'd got points, it would have been Vera's Von Areva one. How did she do that in 2023? Uh, Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. Hello to you all. And David's here. Therefore, shout outs are here. Yes. This will make up for the night session. We have Coda Farha in Sydney. Right, Coda. Hello, Coda. Coda, I'm not sure in what language, but I know it means a friend to everyone. Like Woolly's dog. That's how I know that, because Woolly's, um, our, our friend and colleague, Sarah Woolland, Woolly, of excellent handwriting whilst logging live shows fame. Um, Her dearly departed lovely dog, Coda, who I had a very special bond with, uh, well, was called Coda. And that's why she was called Coda, because she Mm. was a friend to everyone. So hello, Coda. Literally our friend. Yeah. Lovely. A friend to everyone in this room. We've also got Anna who is in California now, but formerly of Sydenham. Oh, hello, Anna. Right, Anna. She's, that's, that's, well, that's my brother's neck of the woods. woods. He's a member of Sydenham Tennis Club. I believe he's... In fact, I need to check in with him. He was playing the semi-finals of the men's Ooh. signals singles at Sydenham. Takes it all quite seriously, doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah, you mean well? Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's he's reading, he's reading Winning Ugly like at I the said, moment. Yeah, he's reading Brad Gilbert's book that is inspiring <laughs> Coco Goff to it's, great. It's things. a serious scene at Sydenham Tennis Club. The standards quite high. It's not like Solly or Simon. Let it, get in touch, Anna, and let us know <laughs> if um, if you were once a member of Sydenham Tennis Club. It's a lovely club. Is it? Yeah, it's a really nice club. He's good as well, isn't he, your brother? I, I was going to play with him <laughs> there once, but we, uh, we cancelled because of wind. <laughs> <laughs> Whose decision was that? Mutual. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'd have taken him out if, I was, if it was windy, because <laughs> I don't cancel for anything. <laughs> Thank you, Anna. And finally, we have Bethan, who is in Balham. Oh, well, that's near me. Mm. Well, it's actually sort of equidistant between near, between me and my brother. I drive through Balham to go to my brother's. Mm. What a what a magical mm. mystery tour of South London. Bethan says, I got a shout-out in your first episode of 2022, which resulted in me discovering a number of other tennis podcast listeners amongst my friends as I received a number of messages asking if I was the Bethan who oh. just got a shout-out on the pod. Oh. There's only one Bethan. I've recommended the pod to pretty much everyone I've spoken to who has any interest in tennis, so I'm interested to see how many of them listen to my advice and get in touch after my shout-out this year. (laughs) Love that, 
Bethan. Bethan is doing it right, folks. All right? <laughs> this is what I want all of you to do. Tell all of your friends and all of your it's family working. and everybody at the tennis club and then they'll all listen. Love that. Balham is a, a lovely place as well. Yeah. Thank you, Bethan. Good work, Bethan. For being a you. friend, for being a shout-out friend and for creating other friends. Love that for you. Love that for us. There's, there's Josh, Josh Allen on the telly. You impressed yeah, is, that I can identify him now, being the I NFL am. fan that I am. This is this is a, this is a triggering game to be on. This does not end well for oh, the Bills. Okay. Oh look, right. Catherine, they're all bending over. Yeah, they'll it's... be they'll be well, they are moving at the moment. So <laughs> that's that's something. Right, that officially is your lot, folks. But not for long. We will be back tomorrow with our day three tennis podcast hey if you would like to become a friend of the tennis podcast support us fund us to come to these grand slams and do these podcasts and cover the sport in the way that we do then the link to do that is in our show notes if you would like to get access to the newsletter for free the link to do that is our show notes the newsletters are daily during the slams and they are excellent so Without further ado, let's call time on this dud of an evening (laughs) and tell you that we'll be back and we'll be better tomorrow. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 